Good morning, Woodland Hills. You look marvelous, fantastic, outstanding. Is that Jimmy feeling enough for you? Hey, I also want to say hi to our uh, visiting parishioners. By the way, parishioners, where are the cameras? If you tell us that you're going to be here and you're coming from a distance, let us know and we'll say hi to you. Uh, and, and we sometimes give a commute award. Although I don't know who to give a commute award to. What's, what's farther from us, New Zealand or Norway? New Zealand? Yeah, I think you it's kind of hard to get farther than that. It's like on a direct opposite side. So hello to uh, Runer Loiter, I think his name is, uh, from Norway. He's a pastor at Norway. And Adam Dodds is a, is a, a student in New Zealand. Uh, there's one other one uh, from New York, uh, 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 Josiah Haken. And uh, yes, hey, you guys stand up. Uh, Padres, where are you? Where are you? Uh, look around. Say hi to these guys. Woo! Welcome. Welcome to America. Where's Josiah? Oh, over there. That's Josiah. This guy back there, he, he's a wild man. Tro crazy. Um, he was at our gig on Friday night. Andy White played at the dugout, and, and uh, he gave, we invited him up to say hi to the crowd, and he gave a little sermon. <laughs> man, it was good. Uh, he packs a punch. We're going to have him preach in the pulpit here one of these days. Uh, he has this ministry in New York um, called uh, New York City Relief. And uh, it's a beautiful ministry. They've got 40 folks. He heads up this team of 40 folks who raise their own support, do this full time. And they just basically throw block parties for homeless people and uh, provide food and stuff like that. But they also then uh, make available to them resources, uh, how to get job training, you know, how to fight affordable housing and things like that. So it's a tremendous ministry. If you're interested in that, go to uh, NewYorkCityRelief.org, and you can find out more about that. He didn't ask me to plug that, by the way. I just think it's a cool ministry, and you might want to know about it. Uh, speaking about ministries, um, we are, before I get in the message, I want to remind us of uh, this uh, announcement I gave last week, that uh, during the Christmas time, we asked people to uh, look at their budget and to designate a portion of that to folks outside of your own family. We want, we want to celebrate the birth of Christ in a way that would really honor Christ, and it's about self-sacrificial love, right? Um, and, and so we're putting before you three ministries that we want to raise $10,000 a piece for. Um, and now we're not asking you to relocate the money you're already giving to the church over to this, because that's not going to help at all. Uh, we're, we're asking you to look at your, your, your spending budget uh, for Christmas and to give out of that. Um, so the, the three ministries we want to raise money for are, the first is ARC, which uh, ministers to Syrian refugees, these poor, desperate people in this desperate situation. And uh, uh, it's a Minnesota-based uh, ministry, but they do the work over in Syria. And so we want to raise $10,000 to su support them. Uh, we're also going to be raising $10,000 for COFED, uh, which is a ministry that we've had connections with for quite some time. They do great work in Haiti, uh, empowering people uh, to, to just renovate their own villages. And... Um, they had just some beautiful, beautiful stuff there. And they need a uh, building to, to have some training in and for some office space. And so we want to partner with them by raising $10,000 for that cause. And then the third, uh, third ministry is Living Hope. It's a home in New Mexico that takes some kids off the street. And they raise them and uh, give them schooling. And uh, it's, it's a Christian education. And um, there's some profound testimonies that come out of that ministry. They need a school. These kids have been meeting in, in, in you know, canvas tents for however long they've been around. And, um, and so we want to help them do that. Uh, we send a missions team down there every year to just help out whatever projects they need. But now we want to raise $10,000 for that. So our goal is $30,000. And so we just put that before you and say, would you pray about that? And uh, we just trust that, that God will be moving in people's hearts and uh, these ministries will be blessed. Okay, we are in a series that is called The Night That Changed the World. Oh, and by the way, that 
the campaign I just talked about, this fundraising, uh, it's called The Gift That Changes the World. And if you want more information about it, we've got a nice brochure out in the gathering area. If you go to the information desk, uh, they'll be happy to give that to you. So the series is the, the Night That Changed the World. And we're in every message taking a look at some aspect of Christmas uh, that changed the world. So this morning we're going to be talking about the wonder, the wonder that changed the world. So these shepherds are up on the hill, and they're just tending their sheep like shepherds do. And suddenly, the angel Gabriel shows up and announces to them that the Messiah is being born. And, uh, and he's, he's, he's in, in Bethlehem, and they're to go find him, and they'll notice, know it's him when they see a baby in a stable, laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then we read this. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She wondered about them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They're filled with amazement, spread amazement. Mary's filled with wonder. Pray with me here for a second. Father, I just thank you for everyone uh, who's present in this auditorium, uh, for everyone who's watching through podcasts. And I, I pray, Lord, that for every one of us, you open up our hearts and minds to receive your word. word. Uh, help us, Lord, to, to set aside maybe calluses that have developed on our eyes and, and a deafness that's happened to our ears and a hardness that maybe has happened to our hearts that prevents us from entering into the amazement and the wonder of who you are and what you've done for us, what you did on Christmas morning. Open our eyes to experience it as for the first time in Jesus' name. And all God's peoples said, amen, amen. Well, I'll get back to the Christmas story in, in a little bit. I first want to just point out this observation. Um, a number of child psychologists argue, and I think they're right about this, that the first emotion first emotion that humans experience when they come into this world is wonder, amazement. They're just surprised to exist. It's a kind of strange fact if you think about it. It's not necessarily a wonder about any particular thing. They're not trying to figure out how something works yet. They're just amazed by everything. They're experiencing it for the first time. You can see it in their eyes. It's a look of amazement. Yeah, like, oh, whoa, I exist. And it's expressed sometimes in their, their earliest gestures and their early, earliest sounds. They go, they, they, they go, duh, duh. Look at that. Duh, look at that. Duh, duh. I'm translating baby talk here. Duh. It means you didn't know what I meant before now. You get educated at this place. Duh means look at that. Look at Whoa. Duh, duh. The color, the sound. It's all fresh. It's all new. The brain is just amazed. Like, what is going on here? This thing called reality. And children, if they're raised in healthy environments, they, they, they keep a sense of that wonder and amazement at things. I, I remember when, I guess, like my granddaughter, who was up here uh, singing. She was the cutest one you might have noticed. Okay, so, that's a, so she, they're all just so cute. I love it. That one kid was so passionately keeping rhythm in a very arrhythmic kind of way. You know, just, um, they're all cute. They're amazing. But uh, she was like three, I guess three or four, and we were out in my, uh, our front yard, and I picked up a little dandelion, you know, a little cloud of seeds there. And uh, I said, Sage, come here. Check this out. You got to look really carefully. Can you see in there? And as soon as she got really close up to it, I went, 
And it, all the seeds went over her face. And first she was just stunned. We have that kind of relationship. You know, it's the thing where, you know, Sage, smell this. Oh, this ice cream smells terrible. And she goes to smell it and bam. You know? <laughs> and she just told me last service that now she's, she's, she's doing that to Rollins. It's kind of a family heritage thing. So she finally wised up to it about two years ago and I can't play it on her anymore. But um, uh, so she was stunned by the, the seeds all over her face. But then she was just amazed at this, this flower that can explode like that. And then she did it. It's like, whoa. And it, it, just, just the, the look at her eyes, so beautiful. That look of wonder and amazement. And then we spend the next half hour just thinking of, thinking of inventive ways of making these things explode. You know, you can blow on them or you can, you can whiff them under your arm or under your leg or twirl around. And, and then you chase after the seeds as the wind blows them away. And it's just, there's an amazement there. Kids have that. They see the world, if they're raised in healthy environments, they see the world in a fresh way. It's still new to them. Uh, and they experience it with a fresh heart. It's still new. It still amazes them. It fills them with wonder. They have that especially at Christmas time, obviously. Think back on how you felt, how, how you experienced those first Christmases in your life. For some folks, you're going to have to think really hard. But uh, do you remember what it was like as a kid? The wonder and the magic. The amazement of Christmas. I remember my, my first memory, uh, my earliest Christmas memory, I, I probably was around four years old in Lansing, Michigan, and I was on Christmas Eve looking out my bedroom window, which faced our backyard. And I'm on the second floor, and our yard has kind of a slope to it, uh, and so I, I, I had quite a view here. But I'm looking out on this Christmas Eve, and it's just a magical moment. I, I remember the, the, the moon, there's a full moon, and it just lit up the snow. Kind of that, that very cool fluorescent white look. And uh, my sisters, my older sisters, and some of their friends were skating on this creek in, in our backyard. And I, I searched the sky looking for Rudolph. Is he here yet? And I, just so, so, I was so excited. Maybe I could spot him. At one point, I thought I did. But I wasn't sure if it was his nose or a plane. But it blinked. And I don't know if Rudolph's nose blinks. Surprise the plane. But in any case, I better go to bed because he might be coming soon. And just so much excitement. And wondering, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? I could hear the faint Christmas music downstairs and the faint murmur of adults who were down there. That's part of the memory. And I'm just so excited about, am I going to get that bike? Uh, my first two-wheeler bike. I just learned how to, or a couple months earlier, learned how to ride a two-wheeler. And, um, and I did actually get the bike, and it was really amazing. It was stupendous. A big red one. Uh, but it, it, it was so mad. It's a moment frozen in time. It's just magical. You probably have memories like that. The magic. But then we grow up, and we slowly or quickly lose that sense of wonder, uh, that sense of amazement, the magic. We lose it towards life, and we lose it towards Christmas. Some of us probably even remember when our Christmas magic went out the window. Now, here I'm going to be speaking code in case there's any young children who are hearing this. And I don't want to be the Grinch who stole their Christmas. But, so when I refer to a, a, a chubby, pipe-smoking, jolly fellow, you'll know who I'm talking about, okay? Who lives north of Canada, right? So that'll be the code. So do you, do you remember what it felt like when you, someone told you the truth about that chubby guy north of Canada? Um, my brother, on a Christmas Eve, broke the news to me. At Christmas, yeah, it's, at some point in my life, I know I'm going to have to try to forgive him, but, you know, <laughs> at the very tender age of 17, it was really, I took it hard. <laughs> it was a blow. <laughs> 
Now, I, I, I was probably six or seven, I guess. And, and, uh, and see, I remember on, on, one, on, one, on some level, I already suspected this was a tall tale. And yet, when he kind of made it very clear that, that it was, um, I, I, it, it felt like a loss. I, I, I think I wanted to have one more year where the moonlit snow would still be magical. One more year where I could scan the sky, you know, looking for the reindeer. One more year of believing that there's something truly amazing and extraordinary in, in this world, something that, that is not like anything else, something that's really magical. I, I wanted one more year of, of hanging on to that faith, enjoying that wonder, that splendor, that amazement, and now I went up the window. Um, well, th- th- as I look back on that, it really wasn't just about Christmas. It, as I look back on that, I feel like that was a stepping stone to saying goodbye to the wonder and amazement of childhood and saying hello to the much more boring world of adulthood. Um, and we all make that journey. Saying tough is goodbye. I mean, say, saying goodbye is tough, but we all do it. Uh, we have to say goodbye to the wonder of, of youth and to the normal, the mundane uh, kind of reality of adulthood. And we lose then those fresh eyes to see wonder, and we lose that fresh heart to experience it. Everything begins to feel like a been there, done that. Been there, done that. Oh, been there, same old, same old. And we try to preserve the wonder for our kids, right? We, we want them to experience it on Christmas and, and other times when there's something new that they see or whatever. We, we, we get excited, you know, and, and we say, oh, look at that. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? You open the present. It's like, whoa, what did Santa Claus bring you? But we're faking it. Uh, we're the ones who are excited. We, we, we just want them to be excited. Uh, yeah, we bought it for them, so it's no surprise to us. Uh, but it shows you that we value this. We, we know that this is important. And we try to keep it with our kids as long as possible. But we ourselves don't typically try to tend to experience that. In fact, the truth is, we tend to get bored with life. It begins to be a chore. Christmas begins to be a chore. We, we lose the wonder. We lose the amazement. We, we, we stop being curious about things. We stop really looking at things. We become hard customers of life. It takes a lot to impress us, to really, to really surprise us. It takes a lot. We've been around the block a couple of times. I, I've actually read that, that um, they say that aside from like genetic diseases, Alzheimer's, other kinds of dementia, aside from that, the main reason the brain atrophies, it, it, it doesn't have to go this way, but it almost always does, then the re- reason why it, it decays, why it atrophies, is because we stop using it. We... we, we we're no longer curious. We no longer think about things. We're not stimulated by things. It, the brain just kind of falls asleep. It dies. And so we lose neural nets. Like little babies, when they're born, it's all new. So their brain is like creating all these new neural nets, trying to organize this thing, trying to understand it. And they're just amazed by it. We stop being amazed. We stop being impressed. We stop being surprised. We stop being curious. And so the brain just starts to decay. If you don't use it, you lose it. The minute we stop wondering about things, we start to die. Which tells us that wonder must be the brain's natural state of being. Uh, the healthy brain is one that stays curious and, and inquires and is fascinated by things. It has stimulation. That's the natural state of, of, of the brain, which means that not noticing the wonder and the amazement of life is an unnatural state. But it gets to the point where even peak experiences uh, begin to feel Kind of like I've been there, done that, even though you have never been there and never done that. I, I, I was 28 years old when I first began to wonder if maybe I would not have any more peak experiences. For 10 years, I had been, the, the main focus of my life was getting that PhD, working on this PhD. And I, I, I 
would always say to myself, I can't wait to get this PhD. Man, that's going to be a moment. That's going to be filled with joy. What a relief that's going to be. I thought maybe I'd have to fight back tears. So I defended my dissertation, and they gave me the PhD. And it was nice, but kind of underwhelming. It's like, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought it'd be more. I, I even tried to like talk myself into more excitement, like, you know, trying to get myself, I wanted to be excited. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. I got a PhD from Princeton. They gave me a magnum cum laude. I should be really, really excited. But I'm not. It just, it just feels nice. I wanted more nice. After 10 years of work, you want more than nice. I also would be better than I have ever anticipated, but it's not. And honestly, I bet for honest, most of our experiences, the peak experiences, tend to be a little bit anticlimactic. You know, the bucket list stuff. Someday you're going to go there. When you finally go there, it's like, well, that wasn't that extraordinary. Everything begins to feel like I've been there, done that. And we all feel this kind of loss. We, we would like to be, experience that wonder and amazement again somehow, some way, but we seem incapable of it. And we long for it. We, we have this longing for something that's truly amazing and wonderful. We want to hang on to the belief in the chubby guy from, who smokes a pipe north of Canada. Uh, there's a word, psychologists have a word for this. It's a, it's a universal experience among healthy people anyways. Um, uh, they, they have a word for it. it, it it's it, the German word, Zehnsucht. Now, I'm going to teach you a little German here. Everyone say, Zehnsucht. No, no, no it, it's German. You have to say it like a German, okay? Zehnsucht. 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 Zucht, zang, zang, zang. A little stereotyping going on here, but yeah. It's, Unsprachen Sie Deutsch. Hey, we're all, hey. <laughs> okay, sorry. There's <laughs> some German people here, apparently. Okay, uh, Hey, what other church can you go and you learn German? I mean, it is a smart church. I tell you, you guys are just so blessed. Here you are. Zehnsucht. It, it is this, this, auf Wiedersehen. It is this, das gut. It is this yearning, this craving, this missing of something, but it's indefinite. It's this, this kind of yearning uh, that, that it, it, but you can't clearly identify it. Uh, some describe it as a, as a longing. It feels like a longing for a distant country. Uh, even though you've never been to this country, you don't even know what the country is, but they're yearning for a distant land. Uh, it, it's, some describe it as a yearning for, for what feels like it's supposed to be home, like you belong someplace else. Zehnsucht. Um, some describe it as, as a feeling like, like there's a loved one that you miss, though you've never met them. It's a bittersweet, nostalgic feeling. It's almost like you remember it though you had never experienced it. But it, it's a longing. There's a sense that if only I could cross over on that side, get to that distant country, find the home, find the loved one, it would be perpetual amazing, perpetual wonder. It's, it's, what's a, it's a completeness that we presently lack. We yearn for that completeness. Zehnsucht. And it gets triggered by a, a number of different things. It can be a, anything. Uh, for me, whenever I see that fluorescent light of the moon, moonlit snow, it tends to evoke that. Or when paintings like this it tends to evoke Zehnsucht in me. Um, as I look at that, and it's kind of surprising because it's a snowy picture, and you think, as a Minnesotan, I would hate it. But it's, uh, no, there's, there's something magical about it. The color, the hue, the, 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 the way the light bounces off the snow. And I, there's a part of me that feels like I'm supposed to be in that cabin. And if I was, there'd be a completeness there. But it's beyond the cabin. 
Or for me, sometimes it's, it's, it's certain kinds of music, like the music of Claude WC or Ravel. Um, it, it, that kind of melancholic music. It, it, it evokes Zainzucht in me, um, that, that yearning. Or when I hear the wind go through the evergreens or the pine trees. You may have heard me talk about that here uh, in previous services and previous messages. Uh, but that evokes that kind of feeling in me, that, that yearning. Sometimes the smell of a campfire. And sometimes on Christmas morning when you watch your kids or grandkids open presents, there's this experience of a longing, a bittersweet, nostalgic kind of a feeling. And, and psychologists, some of them try to explain it as, as just a longing for childhood. It's a nostalgia of, of an innocent time when things were wonderful and things felt amazing. And there's some truth to that for sure. But, but see, our childhood memory is what packages our experience of Zanzuk, but it's not the full content. The thing we long for goes beyond that. Yeah, we want the wonder and excitement of childhood, but the object that, that, that we're yearning for well, it's, it, it's beyond anything in our childhood. It's beyond anything in our, our experience. Now, C.S. Lewis was this Oxford professor. He was a professor of mythology, and he was an atheist. But he wrote a lot and was fascinated by Zainzucht, this yearning, universal human phenomenon. In fact, he believed that all the great stories, the fantasy stories, the mythology of, of world history were birthed out of this Zainzucht. We, we have this yearning for we know not what, and so we project it into stories. That kind of express the yearning of, of the human heart. Um, and then at the age of 30, he became a Christian. And around the age of 30, and, and, and a large part of the reason, wasn't the only reason, but a large part of the reason was because of this phenomenon of Zainzucht. Uh, he wondered about this. How is it that human beings yearn for something that the world can't offer them? Why is it that we're dissatisfied with this world? We have on, on some level an idea about a better world, and we feel like we're supposed to live there. Uh, a more complete world, and it, it makes us dissatisfied with this world. Well, why is that? In fact, if we're just products of nature, how could it be that we yearn for something that nature doesn't provide? Why are we dissatisfied with this world? He noticed that nature, it always creates creatures who have yearnings for what nature can itself provide for. So animals get hungry, we get hungry, and there's food, and, and we need to breathe, and there's air, and we get thirsty, and there's water. Nature always produces beings that yearn for what it can provide for. It'd be bizarre for nature to evolve a, a, an animal that longed for something that never existed. So if human beings are simply the product of nature, time and chance, evolution, however you want to spin the thing, if, if we're just products of nature, then how is it that we can have at the core of our being a yearning for something that nature doesn't provide? Lewis came to the conclusion that, that this Zainzucht is, is uh, it has to point to something real. There, there must be some reality that corresponds to the yearning in our heart. And what he found, he found is that, that um, well, he became a believer because he said the Bible explains this. We yearn for more because we were meant for more. You yearn for more because you were meant for more. Uh, the Bible tells us that this world in its present condition is not the world that God had intended. Uh, tells us that we are a race of fallen, lost people. And we've been estranged from our creator, and we've been estranged from our natural home. That's what the whole story of Eden is all about. And on some level, whether they know it or not, whether they can articulate it or not, every human being longs to get reconnected, to be reconnected to our maker and to be back home. And so we feel kind of aliens in this world. Uh, out of place here. There's something off. There's something incomplete. There's something that was supposed to be here, but that's not here now. 
There's something that would be wonderful and amazing if we could just get in touch with it, but right now we feel estranged from it. We got a glimpse of it in, in childhood when everything was new, but since then we've lost it. And, and so Lewis thought that this Zainzucht was like a homing device that God put in us. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's meant to drive us in a direction, to move us in a direction. It's like a, a spiritual compass that points true north. And what Lewis came to understand, this is why he became a believer, is that that true north, that yearning, is directed ultimately towards that little baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, the ones that the shepherd came upon. And See, Jesus is the amazement that we're looking for. Jesus is the wonder that we're looking for. We long, Lewis came to understand, we long to be one with our creator, and that's what Jesus brought to us. We long to be loved with a perfect love that never grows old. We're created for that. It, 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 we need it like air, um, and, and that is what Jesus came to bring us. We long, we, we long to be reconnected to the one who is the source of all existence, the source of all that's good, the source of all light, the source of all beauty, the source of all truth, the source of all amazement, the source of all wonder. We long to be connected with him, and that's what Jesus brings into this world. Jesus is the wonder of God brought to earth. He's the wonderful God bringing his wonder into this world. He's the amazing God bringing his, his amazement into this world. That's what we long for. We long to once again be able to experience the beauty of God in the fluorescent white snow that's lit by the moon. And we long to be amazed by the God whose beauty is reflected in the wonder of a child over an exploding dandelion. We, we want to return to that, that, that wonder. And, and this is what Jesus brings us. Uh, he returns us to the state of innocence and opens our eyes to the, the truth of, of, of what we long for. Jesus is himself the wonderful God uh, bringing his wonder into the world and the amazing God bringing his amazement into this world. Um, and and he, he, he can make all things fresh. He makes all things new when we allow him. That's why Paul says in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, if anyone is in Christ, behold, there's a new creation. Look, all things have passed away. Uh, everything is new. He's talking about how we look at the world. Behold. He's not saying you are a new creation, though that's true. Here he's saying, behold, the new creation. There's a way of looking at the world and experiencing the world where once again you have fresh eyes and a fresh heart, where you begin to see the wonder of things. It's found in Jesus Christ. You know, the reason why Jesus was, was amazing people wherever he went, he, he amazed people and, and filled them with wonder. And, and you know, his teachings amazed people. His authority amazed people. His, his, his miracles filled people with wonder. His death and resurrection just awed people. And the reason why he was amazing and, and, and wonderful is because he is amazing and wonderful. Praise God. He is the amazement brought to earth. You want something amazing? Check this out. Here's the story. God, the God of this universe, capital G. God, who, he's, who spoke everything into existence, who spoke the trillions of galaxies into existence, who, who holds every molecule uh, in, in, in existence. That God, the creator God, who never began and never end, the king of all kings and lord of all lords, he became a little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, put in a little manger, this vulnerable little baby, and he did that out of love for us, and he did it to give his life for us, to free us from the one who's been oppressing us and holding us captive, and to reconcile us to God. That is amazing. That is wonderful. If that's not amazing and wonderful, then there's nothing is. This is, this is, this is the most amazing story in the world, and, 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 and it, 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 it's at the heart of what Christmas is all about. And see, Jesus is the answer to our Zainzucht. Jesus is the wonder that we're longing for. Jesus is, he, he, he's, he's, he's the home that we've been missing. Uh, he is the loved one that we feel estranged from. Our, our Zainzucht points in that direction. And he can make all things new. He makes all things fresh. Now, here's the thing. God never forces himself on anybody. 
And again, he'll, he won't force this wonder on us. There's a role we play in it. And so I want to end this message by just talking about several things that can help us uh, enter into that perspective that Paul's talking about, all things made new. Enter into the wonder and the amazement of, of God. I mean, as long as we're alive, we're, we're, we're going to have Zanezuk. It won't be totally fulfilled until the kingdom comes, but there are things we can do now that we're supposed to do now that can give us access uh, to taste the fulfillment of Zanezuk. So here's one. Uh, I encourage us, he, he, during, it's possible that we are so used to looking at the world with old eyes and experiencing it with an old heart, we're so used to the been there, done that, that even the Christmas story that I just told can feel like been there, done that. Well, I heard you say that a bunch of times. Yeah, God became a human being. It, 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 can, it can stop amazing us, right? It, we've heard it before, a hundred times. I encourage us this Christmas to not just hear it, but enter into it. Enter into it. And, and the way to do that is by designating a time where you just sit. Be intentional about this. And enter into it with your whole mind, your whole imagination. Imagination is God's beautiful gift. Uh, it's the inner sanctum, the church has always called it, where we experience the things of God. It's our portal into the spiritual realm. And so ask the Holy Spirit to help you enter into the Christmas story using your whole imagination. I mean, run a movie. Uh, you know, do a Steven Spielberg movie of this. It's a virtual reality movie because you're in it and it has full color and full sound. Enter into it with all five senses, like St. Ignatius of Loyola told us. When you pray, pray with all five senses. See, hear, sense, even smell what's going on. And so imagine, for example, that you're one of the shepherds up on the hill. See yourself there. Feel the wind in your face. Smell those dirty sheep. And you're there. All of a sudden, the angel Gabriel shows up. And they experience that. And the Holy Spirit will give you a representation of that. And, and, and behold the glory of this angel. And then he gives you the news about the baby born in Bethlehem. And then Luke says, there's a, you're surrounded by a bunch of angels. A heavenly chorus is singing, Hosanna to, to, in the highest. And so hear them and see them like the northern lights, this emerald you know, city all around you. And, and then you go to Bethlehem. Travel there and see the, the Christ child laying in a manger. Maybe pick him up. Run this movie, this virtual reality movie through. And then remind yourself that this baby who you're holding in your hands, this vulnerable, cute, little, wide-eyed baby, is the God of the universe uniting himself with human beings out of love for them. Entering into solidarity with us. See if that doesn't start rekindling a sense of amazement. Forget that you've ever heard this story before. You are the shepherds, and the shepherds never heard this before, so push back any thought that you've ever heard this before. You're experiencing it for the first time. And watch how that kindles amazement and wonder in you. You're experiencing as, 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 with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart. And see, right on the tails of amazement and wonder is worship. The shepherds, after they amazed people with the story, they were praising God and glorifying God because that is a natural response to, to amazement and wonder. In fact, worship is simply being awed by the awesome God. You're, you're, you're declaring his awesomeness. Uh, worship is really just a way of going, wow, wow. We should... Call it a wow service instead of a worship service. Let's, let's, let's be wowed by God. The wow God creates a wow in us. And, 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 and it evokes that, that kind of worship. So enter into the story this year. Use your whole imagination. And experience it as for the first time. A second thing I encourage us to do is to explore your feeling of Zainzucht. Now maybe some folks here have lost touch with that. Because it can be frustrating. This bittersweet, nostalgic feeling is there and it's not... It's not in itself really pleasant. It can irritate you. 
And, and, uh, and so we try to suppress it. But I, it's there for a reason. Lewis was right. It's there for a reason. It's a homing device. It's our spiritual compass. It's pointing you true north. And I want to encourage us to take time as a regular spiritual dis- discipline to travel true north in the direction that your Zane Zucht is pointing you. And this all also happens by way of our imagination. Um, the way I do it is I, I, I put on some, the, the kind of music that, mo- that most easily evokes that sense of Zane Zucht in me. I put on some Claude W.C. Uh, and I, I immediately start to sense that. And then I envision scenes where, that, that evoke that feeling of Zane Zucht in me. Uh, I, I envision the, the, the sunset with that violet hue or the uh, moonlit snow. Or I hear the sound of the, the breeze going through the pines and the evergreens. Uh, and then I just ask the Spirit to now take me in the direction that that feeling is pointing. Explore it. And, and once you do that, anything can happen. But it, it can be beautiful. Um, you're visiting home. This is the home that you long for. Visit there once in a while. You, you, we, we won't live there until the kingdom comes, but, but you can taste it. Visit that loved one that you're longing for. That, go to that distant country that, that you feel you, you belong to. Uh, and and, and it, it can be beautiful, and it is amazing, and it is wonderful. Last week, there's one night, and this isn't typical for me, so don't think I'm real spiritual because I'm not, but I, this, I, I woke up at 2 in the morning, and I just felt like I was supposed to do this. So I put on some, some beautiful music, got a, got a whole file for this, and um, uh, I, I just let the Spirit take me. Lord, just point me true north. And, and I visited the country, and I visited the loved one, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what I experienced there because it's pretty strange, uh, and I don't want anyone to ever think I'm strange. Being normal is my M.O., all right? So that's... <laughs> I always laugh when I say that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I felt it, it, that's private. Um, but I will tell you this, that when Paul said that the eyes never seen and the ears never heard the things which God has in store for those who love him, he, he meant it. Uh, th- there's a beauty there. Uh, and we can't fully imagine it. We, it goes beyond that. But just to go in that direction, uh, it, 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 for three hours, I just was in this realm, three hours, of just scene after scene after scene after scene. And sometimes I would laugh and sometimes I would cry. But it was just beautiful. I didn't want to leave it. And it, it, there were times where, I'm always aware that I'm in my imagination, but there's times where it, that felt as real as me talking to you right now. And you may say, well, that's just your imagination, and that's fine. Even if it is just my imagination, I've got a, lo- a lot of other rational reasons for thinking that this is true, and it's always good to vividly imagine truth. Okay, so even if it is just my imagination, it's a good, just my imagination. But I don't believe it is that for a second. Neither is the church throughout history, and neither did Paul in 2 Corinthians 3. He talks about this kind of thing as, as encountering the glory of God. Uh, I, this is your inner sanctuary and your portal to the spiritual realm. And I, I think uh, I'm experiencing real, real realities here, um, immediate through my imagination. And, and there's truths that were revealed to me, or understandings that I got. It, it was like I had never seen it before. And I can't really articulate them, not yet anyways, but, but there's things that were revealed. And like I said, it's not normally, in fact, it's never that long, and it's not normally that vivid, but it was this time. And I, so I encourage us to explore Zane Zucht and follow it. Um, visit home, go to a distant country, behold the glory of the one, that, that you, the loved one that you're missing. And, and see, as you do that, there is an amazement there, and there is a wonder there, and that evokes worship. Wow, wow, wow. Dream the dreams, see the vision. And see, then there's a sense of satisfaction that, that comes with that. Because you're, you're here tasting what you long for. It's, it's not just a bittersweet, nostalgic feeling now, there's actually some satisfaction with it. Now eventually you gotta go back to the normal world, yeah. 
Uh, but, uh, man, we, we need those times, those, those reprieves where we take a vacation and go to the spiritual realm. And I encourage us to do that on a regular basis. The final thing I'll say is this. Um, I, I, I want to encourage us to be asking the Spirit to help us keep our eyes open and our hearts open to the wonder that is all around us. Uh, you know, the thing is this. The world, the world that we experienced as a child was wonderful and amazing. But the world didn't stop being wonderful and amazing. It did, the world didn't change. We did. What changed was, was, was we, we got tired. What changed was that we, we, we just kind of got old. We, we got used to things. What changed is that we started declaring things as normal. Been there, done that already. And, and, and so we lose the wonder. But with the Spirit's help, we can regain that. Uh, just think about the wonder of your existence. I, I think the, the brain is, is, is surprised that it exists uh, when, when, as soon as you're born. Uh, because the brain's supposed to be surprised that you exist. Think about your existence. It's weird. It's strange. Right now we're real. Who would have thought? I'm up here talking to you and you're here listening to me. Who would have thunk that? Why is there something rather than nothing? That's weird. We're, here we are. We're, we're real. Can you, do you feel the weirdness of that? The strangeness of that? Uh, and there's a beauty to that strangeness. It's, it, it's wonder-filled. Now maybe you're saying, well, it's not weird that we exist. Look, at we're matter. Matter exists. Hey, what does it matter? <laughs> Yeah, you're material, okay. But what is matter? What is matter? The answer is we don't know. Matter is just a word we plug in for, I don't know. <laughs> what is matter? This, this, this solid thing here, this exists. You know, we can break it down to subatomic particles and stuff, and ultimately they say, well, matter is just, you know, manifested energy. Uh, well, what's energy? We don't know what energy is. It's what goes blip on a scientist's machine when they're trying to measure for energy. <laughs> but it's a, energy is just another word for a question mark. So we, we exist, our very existence is a question mark. It's weird, it's strange, notice that, it's wonderful. Uh, it, 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 you know, we exist in time and space, you figure that out. Did time begin or did it not? Either way, you can't fathom it, you can't think about it. Uh, does space end or does it not? Well, either way, it, it's, it, it's absurd. You can't conceive it not having a limit and you can't conceive it having a limit because if it has a limit, well, what's one inch outside that limit? Uh, time and space, it's an utter paradox, it's a mystery, and we are, it's a fabric of who we are. So our existence in time and space and matter and energy, it's all a mystery. The last thing we should ever get is bored with it. And here you are, three and a half pounds of noodles between two ears, you know, and you're aware of yourself. Really, we're just three and a half pounds of noodles riding around these, these, these body machines. And, and you're, you're aware of yourself. You're conscious of yourself, hopefully. You're sort of conscious. How is that possible? We don't even know what consciousness is. How do you know that you exist? It's a very, 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 very weird, bizarre thing. We should never get used to that. Be, be, be aware of the, the beauty and the weirdness of all that's around you, every particular thing. Like a baby, have the eyes of a child. C.S. Lewis said this. That, that, what did he say? Let's go over here. Hey. Great quote here. Fine. No man, this is written in like the 50s, so we can substitute person. They, they're all chauvinists back then. No man would find an abiding strangeness on the moon unless they were the sort of person who could find it in his own back, back garden. Yeah, boredom with the world is a condition, and it doesn't matter whether you're on the, uh, on the moon or in your backyard, it'll be same, same old, same old. You might be kind of impressed for a few minutes on the moon, but it gets old pretty quickly. But if you have an ability to be amazed at your garden, uh, look at that flower. Behold the beauty of that, like a child would. And, and, and you know, all the plants that are there, and the bugs that are crawling on the plant. There's a wonder in the whole thing. The fact that it is, is itself strange and beautiful. And, and behold that, notice that. Uh, uh, Waldo Emerson uh, said this. He said, the invariable mark of wisdom is to see the miraculous in the common. 
See the miraculous in the common. That's what Blake meant when he said, behold, a, a universe in a grain of sand. There's a miracle quality to anything. We are. We exist. It seems so common. We get used to it. We get, it's, it's normal to us. But it's absolutely unusual. It's miraculous. God is holding us in existence. And, and it's miraculous. And to be able to see the miraculous dimension of all that's around you, that's what it is to stay awake. Behold a new creation. Duh, 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 duh. Don't go around saying that, by the way. Or if you do, don't say you're from Willow Hills. But <laughs> duh, duh, look, look. Just look at, look at, at, at the world. It's, it's, it's got this amazing quality. And especially, and I close with this, look at loved ones and the miracle of loved ones and the beauty of one, loved ones and the strangeness of loved ones. And the gift quality of loved ones. Never take that. Don't take your own existence for granted. Don't take matter for granted. Don't take your consciousness for granted. And don't take loved ones for granted. That's when we start doing normal and our brain starts to decay. Be thankful for all of it. The way to stay awake is to always be given thanks. Because that means you're noticing. So thank God for for the smile of your loved one, your child, your your spouse. Thank God for every warm embrace. Thank God for every gentle word. Thank God for every gentle embrace. Uh, Thank God for the quirky way that they laugh. Thank God for that mischievous look in your granddaughter's eyes when when you know they're going to play a trick on you, you know? Uh, Thank God for the wonder of a child's eyes. Thank God for the children up here who are delighting us. We need to learn from children. Uh, Let them school us on how to stay wonder-filled and live the wonder-filled life that God wanted us to experience. Experience. Help us never lose our wonder, Lord. Can we walk through life with that, with that mindset? Help us never lose our wonder. I want to close this with, with a prayer in the form of a song. And as we listen to this song, can you make it your prayer? Um, and, and, and ask the Spirit to keep your eyes open, to never fade into normal. Been there, done that. To always be amazed at the beauty of God refracted in the world in a trillion different ways, starting with the very fact that you exist. Let's listen to this. We are created for more. We long for more because we're created for more because we were created for God. And ultimately, it's about gazing on the beauty of one whose love is fascinating and amazing and it never grows old and it will never tire and it will never fade and it will never be the same as. It's forever new. That love that is, um, he's the source of all that is good and beautiful and lovely and true and, and we were made for that. Can we go through life with our eyes awake, eyes wide open, our hearts open to see the beauty and the amazing of God all around us? The beauty of the Christmas story, can we enter into that? I encourage us, experience it for the first time. Be amazed by it. I encourage us to follow that sense, that longing, that yearning, the Zainzucht, and let it take you home. And behold the beauty, the love that fascinates you, that amazes you, that wows you, that's forever fresh. And then go through life wide open, amazed at your existence, amazed at your, the fact that you're conscious, amazed at loved ones, giving thanks for all things. This is what we long for right there, become like children again. We had to grow up and say goodbye to it for a while, but praise God, there's a new, cre- a new creation in Christ Jesus, amen? Old things have passed away, behold, all things are new, if you just have the eyes to see it. Can you please stand? Amen. Uh, If you're here this morning and have any need that could use uh, uh, prayer, I encourage you to come up here and by the stairs of the stage, uh, there'll be people who just love to pray with you. If you're hurting for whatever reason uh, or confused or whatever, and I want you to know that whatever you share with them, they take to the grave. They're not allowed to share it with anybody, so they're safe. 
Uh, but don't, don't leave here alone carrying that. Come up here and, and, and uh, they'd love to minister to you. As we leave this place, can we do it with a commitment to wonder? Uh, to, 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 to keep our eyes open to wonder and to live a wonder-filled life. Seeing the new, seeing the fresh. Never getting used to it. Never getting normal. Always delighting in the strange oddness of the beauty and the mystery all around us every second. Go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you.